Tomorrow, what more is there really to say? 115 to 84. I, I promise you I'm going to try and stay positive, but that game tested everything I had to watch. Um, I expected them to lose, but god damn, at least be competitive. Like, that was that was hard to watch. Let's, let's get your thoughts on this, man. They looked good in the first, uh, and then the wheels fell off when the bench came in. But uh, other than that, it's kind of what I, ex- I, I expected them to, exactly what you thought. I expected them to lose, but not in such a horrific manner. Yeah, like, I mean, the Knights started off well. They got the number nine pick in the lottery, courtesy of our boy, Andrea Bracchiani. Happy Andrea Bracchiani Day, everybody. <laughs> but after that, man, like the first quarter, you know, they got that quick 7-0 run. Then it was, what, 9-2, 9-5, 9-7, and then everything was downhill from there after that. The first quarter was, like, relatively close. But it just watching it, it just felt like a mirage to me because seeing everything they're doing out there on the floor, I'm like, there was no way this is going to sustain because you just see what Cleveland's doing out there where they were really committing to clogging up the lane and forcing everything out wide and basically telling the Raptors that we're not going to let Kyle Lowry and DeRozan beat you, even though DeRozan got off the hot start. And we want you to push everything up to the wings and we're going to force Damari Carroll and Patrick Patterson and the rest of your supporting cast to make plays. And watching that, I'm just like, okay, this is not going to end well now. Did I think it was going to end like a 30-point blowout bad? Hell no. But <laughs> here we are, 30 points in. If there is a silver lining, I guess, if I'm trying to like make something positive here, the Thunder got blown up by the Spurs in game one last round, right? <laughs> right, okay, yeah. And okay. we saw the result. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can dig it. You know, That's the all rest... I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, there is a silver lining that I found when... Uh... DeMar DeRozan, you know, his post-ups, they've been unable to defend the po- his post-ups at all. So, like, with uh, J.R. Smith or Iman Shumpert on him, nobody's been re- really able of... Uh, nobody's really been capable of containing uh, him. So he's pretty much hot, taller than everybody else, and he's willing to jump over them to shoot. So that's going to prove to be a difficulty for the Cavs, but I can't really see that being like a death knell for the Cavs in any way. More of a, a weakness in the defense, but they're pretty much covering everything else. So I don't think there's anything that's going to slow the Cavs down in the series, like to the point where they should be concerned. This is just going to be a steady, consistent W after W after W after W. As long as the Raptors don't get sweeped, I think we'll all be happy at this point. That's all we're playing for now, as terrible as that sounds. I mean, yeah. correct me if I sound wrong. No, you're you're right. You know, if we try to get a, I wish they would get a win in Toronto. That'd be pretty pretty huge. That would be ideal. I mean, we could keep digging for some positives here. Um, if you want to look at plus minus, I mean, you look at plus minus as a whole for this box score. And actually, you know what? You open up the box score and you click on the Raptors and you go, whoa, <laughs> whoa, that might be one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time. The right. Raptors starters were only minus two though in twelve minutes. And with JJ, uh, with um, not JJ, uh, James Johnson. Sorry, I always say his name short, short form. I guess like a tongue twister there. Uh, when he was in for eight minutes, they weren't that terrible. Like they were, they were okay, but they weren't terrible. Um, yeah, that's like the best I got for them for their starters yeah, he, in the box score. <laughs> looked, he looked okay on LeBron. <laughs> yeah, for the mere minutes there. I mean, LeBron had his way with pretty much everybody, which was yeah, yeah. You know what? Are we really surprised that LeBron had his way? Because I'm more surprised that Kyrie Irving was 11 to 17. He was extremely efficient, and heck, he even got five assists. Like he literally did whatever the hell he wanted tonight. 
So nobody has the strength to guard LeBron in the post, so he's willing, willing and able to manipulate defense whenever they collapse on him and double-team. You know, he's one of the best passers in the league. So he's just willing to pass the ball to anybody on the perimeter. The ball swings around, open three, drives to the rim. It's just easy money for the Cavs, and they've been doing it all, all playoffs and pretty much all season. Really rounded into form in the playoffs this year, though. I totally agree. I mean, the way they push the ball up the court, too, and get in transition, it's tough to stop that. I mean, they play such a, uh, a West Coast style of basketball now that they're very tough to defend in an Eastern Conference that, quite frankly, is not equipped to compete with a team like that. They're more c- equipped to compete with this methodical, slowed-down pace, um, a lot more half-court sets, a lot more things that you used to see in, look, I'm just going to say it as it is, lesser teams. And that's what the East is basically composed of, is lesser teams. And you just see the Cavs as this juggernaut come in and, well, do what they did tonight. <laughs> Annihilate. Yeah, and this is even this problem, with, it's not even a LeBron-related problem. Actually, it kind of is. But the, the Raptors have been unable to cover like these backdoor cuts. And that's how LeBron, like, there was a point in the game where he went like 7 of 7 in the game. And all of his points were like underneath the rim and right, right around the rim. And those were all off of cuts. Cuts and dunks, you know? No, that's a great point. I think that's a really, really good point because you could just tell tonight that the film study and the extra days off paid dividends for them. I mean, early on watching the game, I thought back to what you were saying on the preview podcast where you said uh, rust versus rest. That whole narrative is going to be you know, really tested out early on. It didn't really look so much like the Cavs were rusty. It looked more like they were figuring out to see if what they saw on tape could actually translate into success while they're on the court. And they abused that backdoor cut and a variety of other things to kind of create this huge lead that we saw and funny enough um at least for me what i noticed this was it was lebron and the reserves that really got things going for the Cavs and spark them off there with deladova fry i think richard jefferson was out there too and i can't remember the fifth guy i want to say jr smith yeah but that group lit it up and yep. they just couldn't stop yeah that was the lebron at the four lineup that i was talking about where there's just like shooters all around him yep um there was one play specifically where delvadova and LeBron are running this pick and roll, and they got an alley-oop out of it, but every, pretty much every time they ran that play, it's Delhi and LeBron, if it's a dribble handoff to Delhi, or if it was a pick and roll, LeBron draws so much attention from the defense, and especially when Biombo's out there, he's kind of like all the way at the three-point line, so he can't help in any way, so there's no rim protection on the team, or there's no rim protection to, to stop LeBron, it's just like easy buckets, man, it's it, it's honestly, it was just so clinically so clinically done. They were absolutely destroying the reps when it came to that lineup. I think that's what really impressed me tonight with the Cavs is how fundamentally sound they were at executing literally everything they wanted to execute. It was just a thorough beatdown of, we're going to do this. Nah, you know what, let's try this too. Okay, we saw this on film, let's do this too. And they literally did everything they wanted. Mm. Who's um. more disappointing tonight? Beyond board or... Um, at least my beloved boy, Damari Carroll, because he, he took it hard tonight, man. He got beat down by everybody he defended. I think it, it, I can't really blame anything on Biombo because this, um, this team kind of plays him off the floor, especially that LeBron at the four lineup. He, he, just, he, has, no, he has no spot on the game, in the game. Like he can't really defend the rim in any way, and he's a little bit too slow to guard any sort of shooter. Yep. So... Having him, like, I can't really blame him for much. Yes, I just have to play him less. But if you play him less, I don't really know who the Raptors play. Maybe we're going to get 
Yo, hey, man, Scola got some minutes in this game. Did you see that? They dusted him off. Everybody got minutes, man. Bebe got minutes. Delon uh, Wright got minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brushed off all the pieces tonight to show off the whole chest. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be more James Johnson in this game he or in this series. Well. Would yeah. that not be fair to say? Yeah, I think it would be. I liked it. I liked his action out there. He even hit the two threes from the corner. Yep, and I, you know what? I didn't mind the fact that they picked up four fouls because he was ultra aggressive on LeBron and anybody else he was covering. And naturally, you're going to pick up fouls with that because a guy like LeBron, when he goes to the hoop, you're not stopping him. And we saw that tonight time and time again. There was one time where he did stop him, though. It was on a uh, fast break. But that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a was... lone, lone time. <laughs> it was one time. Uh, DeRozan wasn't that bad. I mean, he wasn't yeah. great, but he wasn't... Like, terrible. I yeah. I think we both thought he was going to shoot, what, like, 5 for 17, not 9 for 17? Mm-hmm. You, you know what? I I think I just mis, I misinterpreted the, the Cavs team. I thought they would put LeBron on him because LeBron isn't really guarding. He's guarding Damari Carroll, but he doesn't – Damari Carroll doesn't do much, so I thought they would be um, able to just, like, switch that and put LeBron on DeMar DeRozan, and then they would put, like, uh, Jarrah Smith on Carroll. But uh, they chose not to, and, you know, DeMar DeRozan is pretty much having his way at this point, and I think they're just going to live with him, you know, sh- taking long twos. He doesn't shoot threes, so it's just like all these long twos, and there's mid-range two-pointers. I think they'll live with that. Yeah, I think they're cool with that. I... Like you've been saying since you got on this, man, DeRozan's got to develop a three to become that next-level player in this league. Until he does that, you can always minimize, like, the damage that he inflicts on you, right? It's, it's right. easy to manage a guy like that. Exactly, and he didn't even shoot any free throws in the game. So, really minimizing him is just take your long twos, man. Take your floaters. We'll deal with that. That's only two points. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's my big question for you then. If you're the Raptors heading into Game Two and for the rest of the series, how do you adjust the domination you just felt in the paint? <laughs> the Cavs out rebounded them forty five twenty three, and points in the paint was an eyesore. Fifty six points for the Cavs, thirty six for the Raptors. Basically, they just doubled them up in the paint and destroyed them. I don't know how they fixed that either, though. I mean, thoughts on that? If it's going to be defensive rebounding, I guess you'd have to just gang rebound. If Tristan Thompson's in the game, Biombo has to be in the game. But if Biombo, I mean, if Tristan Thompson's not in the game, I think they should take Biombo out and they should be playing somebody else because there's no real reason, there's no way for Biombo to protect the paint when Tristan Thompson's out of the game because they usually run LeBron at the four with shooters around him. So by having Biombo there, it kind of, it's, you know, it doesn't really do anything. So they would probably play like Joe Johnson, or not Joe Johnson, James Johnson. But, uh, yeah, just less Biombo. Biombo only when Tristan Thompson plays, uh, you know, communication on the cuts. And you're just going to have the body up on defense. <laughs> I totally agree with the whole uh, body on defense because... They have no answer, man. They literally have no answer except to literally play physical and kind of play like a pack of hyenas and just attack the cup, at least defensively to rebound on their own end, and box your man out and just play like an 80s, early 90s style of basketball and kind of muck the game up a bit and slow it down. Because what we saw tonight is too fast for them. Way too fast. Hey, what about Kyle Lowry's shooting, man? He's 0 from 7, 0 of 7 from 3. And uh, what's up with that? It's not like they were... You hear they weren't even like... Contested looks. They were pretty open, man. All I think he just had a bad night. All of, the, all of the Raptors' threes looked pretty open to me. 
well, they had 24 attempts, right? And they only made five, but mm-hmm. that's something that's got to improve too. I mean, if they hit, let's say they hit five more of those and go 10 of 24, that's an extra 15 points we add on here. It's still a loss, and it's by, by a healthy amount. Better than, yeah. It's, but it's a little bit better. It's a little bit more respectable. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you feel more comfortable if they lost by, you know, 14? Lost, or would yeah, you yeah. feel like this? Yeah, if they lost by a 14, you'd be like, okay, maybe if we just did a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that. But when you lose by a 30 or 29, no, sorry, 31, you yeah. lose by 31, you're just like, man, what do I do? It's a kick <laughs> in the gut, dude. Like, you're there just like, wow. Like, it all kind of feels for not now. The whole, like, first round win, second round win, and now it just feels like we just basically got here to meet our executioner. Yeah, That's kind of what it feels like. Obliterated by the Cavs. Yeah, and the Cavs didn't even play that great. Like, they played they played really well, but I feel like they could have played even better. And the reason why I say that is because they only made seven threes. Mm-hmm. And all playoff long, we've seen them make, what, double-digit threes every single game. So, yeah, yeah. Man. Do you feel like the, the Raptors uh, focused so much on defending the perimeter that they kind of gave up the inside tonight, though? Yeah, absolutely. That, I'm pretty sure that's the reason for the cuts inside and the backdoor cuts. It's just like they're focusing so much on preventing the three-point shot. I mean, when your team, when the team you're facing just shot 15 threes, I mean, made 15 threes in the past four games, you're kind of on notice to be like, you need to stop the three-point shot. Like, you're just going to kill us with the three. So by, you know, pressuring uh, the shooters so much, it just gives them the ability to break off their man for backdoor cuts. This is what the, what the Warriors do all the time. You're afraid yep. of them shooting threes. So people like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson tend to get all these backdoor cuts. People are like, how can you allow this breakdown to happen? Well, it's either two or three. You get to choose. You know, I was watching, the, like, when we were watching the game tonight, I was thinking to myself how much, like, the Warriors, the Cavs are. And I was wondering that maybe the Thunder would be a bigger matchup problem for them right now. Because I actually, watching the Cavs most of this postseason, I know they're playing bad teams, but I do feel like they're starting to match up a little bit better with what Golden State does. Yeah, me too. I think they're playing, they play a lot smaller now, you know. By, just by having Tristan Thompson be the center. I mean, he was originally a power forward. They marginalized and took out uh, Mozgov from the rotation. He doesn't even play for the Cavs anymore, basically. He's like a bench warmer at this point. He's a nice mascot. He's a big yeah. Nice mascot. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of sad because his, I'm pretty sure his contract ends after this season. Or maybe it was last season that his contract had, then, had ended. And then he got like an extension. And now he's just not playing at all. So, you know, Mozgov is just completely out of the rotation after being such a major cog in the team last year. I mean, he was part of the reason why they even won, you know, a couple games against the Warriors. And now he doesn't touch the floor, like, no. really at all. Never. You know who's actually been a bigger factor than him is, uh, and it's kind of surprising to me, is Richard Jefferson. And he really mm-hmm. impacted the game tonight. I mean, 11 boards. Mm-hmm. And he was a big reason as to why they were getting on the offensive glass when Tristan Thompson was out of the game. I mean, Tristan Thompson had five of their ten offensive rebounds tonight, and Richard Jefferson only had two. But when he was in there with LeBron at the four lineup that you were talking about, he was really active. He was all over the place, and he, he caused a lot of problems for the Raptors. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird to see the 35-year-old is, like, killing everybody on the boards, especially Biombo, who's, like, 24, and they can jump out of the gym. So there's there's a bit of an issue there with the boxing out. And I've noticed that they don't really box out effectively, especially when Biombo is like a hub defender. You know, 
when you're the help defender, especially in the post, and you contest the shot, the people that um, are around you are supposed to box out and get the rebound. But the Raptors are just not effective rebounders outside of Biombo. So even though LeBron misses his post shot, there's somebody else from the weak side able to get the offensive rebound and put it back in. So that's something they can fix. You know, that's a, that's something the Raptors could fix. It's yeah, a communi- it's really you know, it's, a, it's also a communication problem. You know, this is such a... Why are there so many communication problems on the Raptors, man? I don't know. And I feel like tonight the Cavs really exposed a lot of that. Well, exploited a lot of it, where it's just like, these are somewhat things that you kind of expect to have fixed by now in these conference finals, hmm. and they're not fixed. And it's just bizarre. I, I hate to really... like. I feel like we're really nitpicking here on what the Raptors do wrong. But at the same time, these are things that should be second nature by now, in my opinion. Yeah, those are the things that, you know, make you a winning team. Yeah. And not making these small... They're small mistakes, but the, in a, in the playoffs, small mistakes are what separate you from winning and losing. You know, Tim Duncan, remember that, that finals where Tim Duncan was taken out of the game? Uh, he had missed a shot, a three-point shot, and then they got that offensive rebound that led to the Real in three? Yep. Tim Duncan was in the game. They most likely get that rebound and win the series. So you know, just, I've heard that argument before from a lot of people with that Spurs series. Right, so just like, you know, that's one substitution mistake, you know, a subtle mistake that doesn't seem like in the grand scheme of things it would matter that much, but it's such a micro thing that affects the game within like five or ten seconds that completely changed the series. So in a series like this, you know, not boxing out in subsequent uh, possessions can have this major impact in in the series or in the game where you end up losing by 30 points when you... Let's just say you end up lo- you would end up losing by twenty points. You know that's still ten points. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, if there was anything I could add to it, it's pretty much that <laughs> that one Tim Duncan moment substitution was one of the few few times you could ever pick on Popovich and nitpick one of the decisions he's made. Yeah, Whereas the Raptors issue boxing out is something that I feel like we talk about every podcast. Box out, man. This is like this is like a, a thing you don't even your professional coach doesn't have to tell you. Your like youth coach or AAU coach would was teaching you about you know your youth coach would probably be telling you how to box out. It just shouldn't be an issue at this point. Yeah, oh, and you know what, Dwayne Casey looks dejected. He looks out of gas, man. If you saw him tonight, like he did not just look stressed out. He looks tired. I feel like in the first round when he said when they were like, "How are you adjusting for the Pacers? Uh, are you sleeping much?" And he's like, "I'll sleep when I'm dead." I really truly think he hasn't slept. Amen. <laughs> like, out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. This is, it's looking grim for the Raptors. So I kind of feel like five games might have been too much. Five games like might even be too much. It is <laughs> unbelievable. They'll win a game, man. They'll win a game. There'll be a down game for the Cavs, and there'll be an up game for the Raptors. And one of those two games, the Raptors will win. I can see it happening. I can see that, too. I mean, seeing guys like... Uh... I'm going to sound like such a hater right now, but I don't even care. Seeing guys like Iman Shumpert, Del Dova, like Williams, like just seeing them strut around the court and act like they're big players, like, no, man, keep pulling LeBron on his chariot. Enjoy the free ride, but don't be celebrating like you're a superstar. You know, like seeing that stuff just pisses me off because you're, uh, you're, just, you're just a dusty guy. Like you're not that great. You're okay with a player. You're just another cog in the wheel, but don't go celebrating like you're, like you're LeBron. Hey, man, the Warriors do the same thing. They celebrate all the time. I know. I know. I, I sound like such a hater, but 
I'm just being honest here. Like watching Iggy do it with the Warriors is hilarious because yeah. Iggy's actually done something. Mm-hmm. But a guy like Shumpert, man, you just got a cool high top fade and you play tight D. That's it. No, it's actually not even a high top fade. You know who Johnny Bravo is? Yeah, oh yeah. Copied that hairstyle from Johnny Bravo. <laughs> not even joking, dude. I'll send you the dog. I'll send you the documentary. Wow. It's like a five. It's like a five ten minute documentary about him idolizing Johnny Bravo, and that's where he got that hairstyle from. That's why it's not just a cool. like a full high top. It's kind of yeah. like curved at the back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the exact reason why. Man, seriously. All right. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So the draft was also today. What are, What do you see in the draft? I see. I heard we got the ninth pick, man. Yeah, we did, courtesy of Andrea Bargnani, which is something we said earlier in the show there. Um, this draft, unfortunately, isn't that deep. And it kind of sucks because the Raptors got this colossal asset where it's like a lot of times in the NBA where you're going to make your team take step forwards is through the draft. Very rarely do you see like a big player become available in free agency. So if you're the Raptors, I mean, you have a chance to get a lottery pick and a top 10 pick, no less. And you're kind of hoping to land an impact guy. But it looks more like they're probably going to just add another rotational piece here. So that was kind of the only like sad part about it, I guess you could say, is that they got this draft pick in a year where it's not that strong. Okay. But at the same time, I could pose it like this. So um, I'm just going to pull up this quote here from Messiah Jury when they asked him about what he could do with the pick. He was kind of hinting at that they might trade it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they asked him, how will the draft pick impact the upcoming free agency this summer? And a jury said it's a huge asset for us in many ways. Whether we're bringing in a young player or doing anything with a pick is a huge asset for us, and we're happy to have it. So when he kind of said we could do something with a pick, I kind of get the vibe that he's thinking they might trade the pick. Would that be fair to say or no? Yeah, that does sound uh, pretty fair to me. I mean, who are we really looking for? I struggle to think for the Raptors, like, what is the clear-cut upgrade that they can make on their team? I don't really think there's an upgrade they can make. I think it's more of just adding to a position of power or an area that they feel that they're weak in to make it into position of power. So what I mean by that is, like, let's say they feel like they need another ball handler. Go on and get one with this pick. Mm -hmm. I think they just use it to add to something that they feel they need. Um, All right. It's a shame because, like, last, last year's draft was pretty deep. Yeah. Like, I think, like, looking at this year, they're probably looking at like a guy like Jalen Brown from Cal, the freshman. Uh, bit of a project. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a project, but somebody they could probably add up front. Maybe Marquise Chris. Um, he's another like power forward from Washington. Um, maybe Scalabissary if they want to try and get a center to eventually replace like Biz and BJV's backup, but he's also a project. Um, maybe Denzel Valentine. He's a combo guard from Michigan State, but... I don't know how ready he'd be to step in and play right away. I mean, he's a senior. He's done a lot of things, but he's more of like a bench player. He's going to be like another Norman Powell with less of an offensive ceiling, in my opinion. So I don't know how much that really helps you out. Um, man, and then after that, it's like guys like Tyler Ulis, uh, mm-hmm. maybe Devontae Davis, Michigan State. He's a freshman. Uh, he's, he's kind of like your typical stretch forward now. But do the Raptors really need another stretch forward? That's the thing. It's like, Things that are available, I don't know if they need. I would, they're not opposed to getting a stretch four. I mean, they're they're only four at the moment. They're only viable four to play at the moment is Patrick Patterson. Some people would argue Scola, but Scola's thirty five. So I can imagine I can imagine them getting a, a power forward. It would make sense for them to do so. Someone that can shoot. Yeah, that's pretty. Pardon? 
No, I was going to say, um, earlier today I saw that they were, uh, there was a report here. I'm trying to find it. It came out about Nick Batum and, funny enough, how he wants to stay in Charlotte, which we knew. Right. But he said that he knows he'll get a max offer from either New York or Toronto. Like okay. his, his camp knows that. So if Toronto's willing to go in on Nick Batum and basically sign him a max deal, would that not kind of be what, we, what they envision as their answer at that, I guess, small forward, power forward position? He's too small to play power forward. I don't know. Nick Batum's skill set is just not suitable for a power forward. He's a person that's a ball handler, likes to distribute the ball. You know, he runs the runs the pick and roll better than Demar Derozan does. He actually makes the pass. Yeah, the pick and roll, <laughs> and he's also capable of shooting the three. But he's just like he's too he's too small to run with power forwards. Even though power forwards today are still pretty small. So yeah, so, let's just hypothetically say they pursue him and they go after him. What would that entail for the rest of this draft plan here, or even the offseason as a whole? Look for look for a power forward, more ball handlers. I'm they have Lon Wright that is coming up on the bench. He looked pretty good in the game when I was watching it. Their center position center position is pretty set up. If they're trying to resign uh, Biombo, which seems unlikely, it's because I think he's going to command a lot of money in free agency. Yeah, they I think he will too. So they could look for a center. Yeah, so it's like the big men positions are the their weak point at this point right now. That makes sense. And uh, it was Steve Kyler who tweeted out. Um, he wrote an article, but his little tweet thing he dropped here was, I was told his camp knows, and his camp being Nick Patum, that the Knicks and Raptors would offer Max Deal. Knows what's out there, but he wants to stay in Charlotte. Yeah. And there was like a report that was added with it, but that's pretty much the gist of it. So for what that's worth. <sighs> Sounds like doom and gloom in Toronto, man. A little bit, right? But I was told earlier, too, like just after the All-Star game, um, I met up with Doug Smith from the Toronto Star. Uh, he's basically been the beat of the Raptors for, God, forever. He's considered like the godfather of Canada basketball up here. He was telling me that Messiah Jury would not be opposed to shopping the pick at all to add other assets. So, And he said that Messiah told him that he'd be willing to even trade that pick and the Clippers pick next year to make something work. Okay, I'm excited for that. We have the, I didn't even know we had the Clippers pick next year. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe they could package something to get something bigger. Mm. Just a thought. Yeah. All right, man. I think this is, I think this is the end for the TOT cast, and maybe even Toronto in the playoffs. <laughs> I think that's a foregone conclusion, though. We all knew that was done. <laughs> so, I, let's just hope they don't get swept. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Come back to Toronto. Win one, please. At least one game would be nice. Well, on that note, we'll wrap the show up here. As always, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at Tip of the Tower. You can also follow us on Facebook, at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to Damar, you can reach him on Twitter, at DamarJG. If you want to reach out to myself, you can reach me on Twitter, at Chris Ocranis. In the meantime, guys, try and find some souls on the Raptors' loss. Uh, we'll see you Thursday night, 8.30. Until then, take care.